speaks and bites Down at McAllister College I'm putting off of my city like she puts on nail polish No way, go ahead, they on their wallets They want it, they drink like alcoholics Going and abolish I come through on the stage No, I misbehave I'm coming out the cage Got a cover like rage And if they want to come back Then they know that they heard it Cause when I got that energy I'm gonna disperse it Coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they calling the dog catcher. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they calling the dog catcher. Last beats and bikes, say what they like, I'm out best. No wait, just like Fightful, they grab the rifle, so insightful, come and go collect it. Cause they didn't know they bred farm and throw an interception. If they want to come with it, I spit it, I get specific, I get prolific. They are eclipsing, they miss it, I'm double fisting, I christen, I'm the given. It's God given, I'm coming to spit the sickness. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs and calling the dog catcher. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs and calling the dog catcher. Is this metal enough for the show yet, Jay? Jay, we're coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs and calling the dog catcher. We coming at ya. We coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs and calling the dog catcher. Happy to have uh, Connor Engstrom joining us on Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM WMCN, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. Connor, welcome. Hi, Jason. Thanks. It's great to have you here. Uh, For people who might not know of your work, you've been uh, playing some power metal and uh, sort of orchestral metal for for quite a while. Uh, You've done a number of things, uh, including spending some time with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I'd uh, love to learn a little bit more about that, but you know, kind of give us your backstory. How long have you been making music? Well, I've been playing guitar about, I guess, a little over 20 years and producing music in one form or another for about 15 years. Maybe the past five years or so has been uh, kind of professionally, though. But yeah, I've been pretty much doing music 
my whole life because I started guitar when I was about six years old for the first time. Did you know when you picked up that guitar for the first time when you were a kid that this was going to be your calling? Uh, not really. Uh, I first picked up my mom's guitar when I was six years old, and uh, I think I figured out how to play Mary Had a Little Lamb or something just by myself, and it just, you know, it was interesting to me, uh, but I didn't think it would come to this. Uh, a couple <laughs> of years after I first played, my parents entered me in a contest to win some free music lessons, and I won this contest to win, like, several months' worth of lessons, and uh, I wasn't super passionate about anything at that point so I I told my parents like well I guess I'll take guitar because it's not piano so when I was eight that's when I really started <laughs> to learn and I got the bug right away <laughs> how, how did your musical style develop well definitely my guitar playing developed because I was listening to a lot of classic rock I grew up listening to bands like Boston and ACDC and just really uh guitar-driven music that's uh, not so much 80s, but, you know, that classic rock. It's kind of a raw guitar sound. And so I definitely developed my style just by trying to emulate my favorite artists that way. Um, it was years later um, when I started recording and learning about all these tools while recording that I started to bring in the orchestral element. Mm -hmm. I was really interested in soundtrack music um, just from films and different video games I grew up playing, that always captivated me. It always took the, the media to the next level for me. If I was watching a film and just hearing that soundtrack, it, it was just really adds to the experience. So when I started recording music, I was using those tools to try to, try to make my guitar playing sound better. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was I just kept adding more layers on my recordings and started getting into orchestral samples and instruments and I found that I could, uh, at least back then, hide a lot of my maybe shortcomings in guitar playing by like overproducing these tracks. Mm -hmm. um, but since then, I've really kind of, I think, honed in on a certain mix of the two where I can feature the guitar, but also feature the orchestra. Did you go through that typical uh, developing musician idea of joining a cover band and then starting to write some of your own originals? Or what was your progression and how did you get to the point where you were, you know, sort of an in, the in-demand musician that you are today? It's kind of an interesting story because I, I didn't do any of the typical things. Like I said, I started with those lessons and for years and years I, I well, not for so long, but for, for about one year I think I took guitar lessons until I knew enough that I could kind of mess around on my own and throughout my life I've taken some instruction just to try to you know enhance my skills but I've been mostly self-taught that whole time once I learned enough to to do it myself I just said okay I I want to play what I want to play so I my uh, guitar playing developed that way and it was basically just me practicing at home by myself playing along songs I liked it took a long time actually until I wanted to play live because I was always a little too shy. I think when I was maybe about 15 years old or so, I entered a, just a local talent competition and I played the song Canon in D, uh, like a rock version of that song. And wow. I won that competition and I thought, oh, okay, that's kind of fun. I think I won like 50 bucks. So um, huh. that summer, my parents drove me around to a couple of county fairs and I started to have a little more success with that. But that's basically all the playing I would do. 
just for fun, every summer I'd play at uh, county fairs. Eventually, I um, was lucky enough to move on to the state level, and I played at the Minnesota State Fair. The, the talent competition there is a really big deal, and if you get to the final um, stage, you can play in the grandstand um, on the fairgrounds there. And I think it, it holds maybe... 15,000 people or so. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good size uh, uh, stage to play. Yeah, so I played there, and <laughs> that was kind of a surreal experience because, like I said, I'm just, I had just been like a bedroom guitarist, and yeah. the next thing I knew, I was playing for this audience of maybe 12 or 15,000 people. That's incredible. And so did you have a backup band to play with you, or did, were you just playing solo? Uh, at that point, I was making tracks myself, and I'd play along with the tracks. What was the audience reaction at the fair? It was really great. I, I don't think what I play is exactly in the mainstream, so it was maybe kind of fresh for people to hear. Mm -hmm. And just to see someone playing like heavy metal music but being really happy about it maybe was kind of interesting to people. <laughs> Obviously, that uh, uh, orchestral experience—if you're—if you were playing, you know, Paco Bell on the on the guitar that earlier in in, in your development as a musician, the you know symph symphonic music, or classical music must be pretty close to your heart. Yeah, like I said, it's it stems from listening to basically a lot of soundtrack music, not necessarily classical, strictly speaking. Mm -hmm. um, just because, I mean, I listen to all the classics, you know, Pachelbel and Beethoven and Bach, and, and there's a lot of other people too, um, Holst. Yeah, but like I said, it's, I, I kind of just pick and choose. I, I never had like one big influence. It's, I would hear maybe a, a classical song and think, oh, that's, that's something I could take from, but it's maybe the first time I've heard it actually. <laughs> And so uh, you've obviously created some amazing covers of not just classical music, but other, or, you know, orchestral type music, but other iconic songs. How have you gone through the process of choosing the songs that you've covered? One of the first really big projects I took on, for myself anyway, to cover a song was uh, a number of years ago, working on a cruise ship, actually, uh, <laughs> I had to play something for a a holiday show around Christmas and I didn't want to play any of the typical songs I guess mm -hmm. so some friends and I came up with uh, a really heavy arrangement of the song let it go from the movie frozen and it was you know only half serious it was half just jokingly we had one of the guys dance around on stage in an in a long wig uh, with a <laughs> ponytail it was really funny um, <laughs> But musically, uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, since then, I think, so we made a music video for that song, and, and now I think it's up to like three and a half million views. That song, I think, kind of highlighted um, to us how we can really create something of our own by building off of something else. And that just gives us more exposure to people because it's something they know already and mm -hmm. it's a twist on it. It's unique. And so, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, that's kind of how that got started. Your, your most recent cover is uh, very timely, uh, the Game of Thrones theme song. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> yeah. it, it, I mean, there's really no other way to describe it but epic. <laughs> how, <laughs> yeah. how much fun was that to put together? 
that was a blast. I think listening to that uh, show's theme song, I've always felt like the melody was so well written and so epic, and I always felt that the track was just being held back slightly by how it was produced. Mm -hmm. So when I started working on my cover, obviously there's um, guitar and drums, like a metal song, but I use a lot of samples, orchestral samples and like big trailer uh, toms and drums. Mm-hmm. And I think for that cover, I, I basically threw in every, uh, every one of my big go-to drum and like cinematic boom sounds and <laughs> just everything. I threw everything in that song. It was a lot of fun. So as you think about songs that you might want to cover, what, what is it about that song that makes it a good candidate for a metal cover? Uh, there's a few things. First of all, I have to think what fits musically. Just if something has uh, a, a melody or maybe a, just a feeling or vibe that is, you know, kind of larger than life. Um, it's not like a small, quaint song. Although sometimes, you know, that can work because of the irony of it. But I also think um, about the tempo a lot because I don't like to mess with the tempo too much because I want the song to be really recognizable as the original song but with completely new instrumentation uh, Mm -hmm. behind it. So I I have all that to consider um, but also when it comes down to it I think about what gets me really excited to work on the song. It has to be a song that I'm invested in maybe because it's always been a favorite of mine or even if I've just heard it recently, maybe the melody just caught my attention more than other songs. But yeah, I, I have to be really excited to work on it because it's, it's a project. You, you mentioned tempo, and, and when you think of the songs and the tempos that you like, do you typically like to go for a faster tempo, or are you looking for something that's a little bit slower and, and epic? Well, uh, both, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, there's two main kind of sounds I go for one is just like a stereotypical blast beat because it's just a very driving uh, sound, you know, that digga, 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 digga. It's it's so full uh, drum-wise that it kind of smooths out the sound in a way. It's actually not as harsh. I feel like it kind of just pulls you into the song, into a nice Mm -hmm. rhythm. Uh, For slow tempos, I I really like to do that too because there's a lot more space between uh, the the drum hits. You Mm -hmm. can tell I focus a lot on rhythm. Um, but yeah, the, the, that big space um, also helps to create that epic sound because there's a lot of tension between um, waiting for that next uh, beat to hit. So I mm-hmm. tend to fluctuate between basically just really fast and like half-time uh, tempos mm-hmm. that are really slow so I can focus on just huge uh, rhythm parts. I want to give uh, everybody a chance to listen to that Game of Thrones uh, theme song. What are some of the things that you should uh, that you want people to listen to as they're as they're here on the song? Well, obviously, in the center, there's kind of a Easter egg. I'm a big fan of mashing up songs, just because <clears throat> I hear a lot of similarities between different songs and and music in general. There's, I mean, there's only 13 notes, so a lot of music is a lot more similar than people realize, and mm-hmm. I really enjoy bringing the best of multiple songs together. So, yeah, in the middle of that song, um, you'll hear it goes into the theme from Pirates of the Caribbean, just for (laughs) a few measures. Um, But it fits really well, surprisingly.
we'll take a, a quick listen and then we'll be back. You're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio, WMCN in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're here with Connor Engstrom, uh, and this is his Game of Thrones theme song. Connor Engstrom with his version of the Game of Thrones theme song with a little Easter egg of the Pirates of the Caribbean thrown in there for good measure. You're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM WMCN, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. Let's get back to our interview with Connor. Connor, you've collaborated with a number of people on your songs over time. How do you decide who you want as collaborators on a given song? I'm thinking in particular about uh, House of the Rising Sun that we played on the show last week. So far, uh, most of my collaborations have been uh, with friends of mine, um, just people I've met over the years doing different gigs and um, yeah, just working in the music industry. Um, I've made a lot of friends that are uh, talented. Um, so I'll, I usually go to them first um, just because these videos and these songs are a lot of fun. And so a lot of them live in New York. so. It's a good chance for us to get together, hang out, uh, do something fun, and in the end, we have something to show for it. But also, I do, I do some collaborations with people online, and that is, you know, it's a great way to get exposure because their audience will meet you, and your audience meets them. 
but that is a little more hit and miss because you never know who you never know who's going to get back to you. So I'll reach out to like 15 people and I'll maybe hear back from one, and maybe that person is interested in in working on something that that I want to work on also. You you are you've done some partnering with other musicians as a songwriter and a studio musician uh, for their projects. How do you, how do you find slipping into the role of the supporting artist on someone else's vision? as opposed to creating your own music from, from scratch? Sometimes that's a little bit tough for me because I'm a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> when you learn to, to write and record and produce and do everything yourself, um, which you can nowadays, you can just do it at home on your laptop. You can completely produce a song and it's going to sound amazing if you have the right skill set. And so I'm so used to that that sometimes it's tough to to not want to throw in my input if I'm just hired as a session musician. Recently, I, I was hired to record some guitars and um, do a little bit of the production for uh, some music for a Korean video game. I don't know the name because it's Korean. They, they sent me MIDI tracks of what they wanted from the guitar, and they sent me other tracks, and they wanted me to mix it all together, throw my guitar on top of it, and send it back. And I couldn't help myself from adding some strings here, adding some drums there. So I kind of made it my own, but they loved it when I sent it back. So I, I think it kind of gave it a little bit of my flair on top of what they had already composed. And uh, they really liked it. So we've already worked on, I, I've worked on more projects for them since then. So <laughs> it worked out in that case. So that's That's got to be taking a little bit of a risk, you know, for you if you, if you haven't worked with somebody and, you know, hoping that they enjoy what you did. Yeah, definitely. Another collaboration like that that, that I've done was um, for a band called Soto. Mm -hmm. uh, it's sort of a, a band project um, from the singer Jeff Scott Soto. He's a singer uh, with Trans-Siberian Orchestra right now. Mm -hmm. He was with Journey for a short time. Years back, he was with Yngwie Malmsteen. And I met him through the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And he heard my original music, and he really liked it. He asked me originally if he could use one of my tracks to open his show. And I think maybe a year, year or two after that, he asked me if I would actually compose a song uh, for his album, for this band Soto. And uh, uh, that was my first experience collaborating with an artist on that level. And uh, I just want to throw everything in and make the song the best it could be. I was really driven to prove myself since I was really young at the time. And uh, I just remember I, I was sending Jeff notes on how to do, um, <laughs> how, how he could add vocals on top of the track I had composed. And it's funny because looking back, he talks about with me, he's like, man, I was just getting this, these notes from this young kid. And I was like, who does this guy think he is? <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out. He's, uh, I wrote this track for his first album. It's called End of Days. I think it's like a, I can't even remember. I think it's like a 10-minute track. It's just a really epic uh, track. It goes through multiple changes. And it, it's, wow. it, yeah, it was um, probably one of my proudest achievements, I think. And uh, I sent all this off to Jeff, and I created this outline of what I was imagining. And uh, he said you know, the outline was so great and it fit with it so well, so he kind of followed that and he 
he wrote and composed on top of it um, based wow. on some of my ideas and it just came together beautifully I think and um, on that first album that track was by far the most well received track um, just looking at reviews and things online that's got to be rewarding when you see something that you put that much passion into and uh, and have people respond so positively to it yeah that's that's definitely uh, half of the reason that I do what I do I think I, I enjoy it but ultimately it's about sharing it with someone I think and that you know that makes it a lot more fun is to to create something and share it and get that response and then you get to experience something uh, with your audience it, I, I get the sense that a lot of your work so far has been primarily in the studio uh, what uh, what kind of live performances have you done um, I've done a, a variety of stuff now. Um, like I said, originally I was just a bedroom guitarist. Um, but through some of these connections I've made over the years, I, I've been really lucky to get a few great gig opportunities. Sort of recently, one was uh, playing for the Broadway show, Rock of Ages. It's been off-Broadway for a while now, but um, there's been, I think, three three productions that are... I don't know how to describe it, but they're like three official productions. And one was on Broadway, one was in Vegas, and one was aboard a cruise ship. And uh, since I know um, one of the guys who played the show on Broadway, when he found out they needed someone for the ship version of the show, he threw my name in the ring. And they actually reached out to me and said, hey, we heard um, from this guy that you are interested in playing something like this and since he recommended you um, do you want the job <laughs> yeah it's a it's a, just another case of sometimes it's not what you know it's who you know so yeah I got that gig and for a few years I was playing Rock of Ages aboard a cruise ship that was uh, based out of New York we'd sail down to the Bahamas and the Caribbean every week and it, it was a lot of fun um, wow. I definitely improved my chops a lot playing that show I hadn't done nearly that level of live performance before but yeah once I got that gig I was playing 10 shows a week for wow. six months at a time as that performer as the guitarist in the in the show were you on stage or were you kind of in a pit environment for that show uh, the band is on the stage that's one of the things that makes it really interesting and, and actually more appealing for a rock musician as opposed to other um, musical theater or sure. Broadway shows I mean for one it, it obviously is actual rock hits from the 80s so it's a lot of right. fun to play and the band is a character in the show so we get to be on stage the entire time and it's a lot of fun what was it like to work on a cruise ship it's not exactly what people think it is there's a lot of restrictions working on a cruise ship it's almost like being on a really really fun floating jail <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you know how to take advantage of of working on a cruise ship, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, it can be really tiring, just being stuck in this environment. But if you you know if you're willing to put in the work, you can find amazing things to do on these islands. But I would always go out of my way to find just the coolest thing, the most remote thing I could do on these islands. And there's some incredible um, places to see. I actually did uh, one of my cover songs is of the Hawaii Five-O theme song <laughs> and I recorded it on 
I can't remember, maybe eight or ten different Caribbean islands while I was working on the cruise ship. It took a long time to film that because it was just pieces here and there. Um, but then, yeah, it came together, and I have this crazy music video that's shot all over the Caribbean. Where, uh, where was your favorite place to shoot when you, were, when you were making that video? The most interesting place to play was definitely in St. Lucia. It's an amazing island that has these two mountains by this beach called Sugar Beach. We hired someone in a speedboat to, to take about 30 or 40 crew members around completely to the opposite side of the island. And I took my guitar with, and I got to get some awesome footage on this remote beach. Well, let's, uh, let's let people have a chance to, to hear that. This is the uh, Hawaii Five-O theme by Connor Engstrom. You're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM WMCN, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. That was Connor Engstrom with the Hawaii Five O theme, a great epic metal cover. You're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles at 91.7 FM WMCN, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to take you back now to more of our interview with Connor. 
You uh, kind of create a lot of music for the video game world, too. Uh, I'm really curious to know what that creation process is. You talked a little bit about this Korean uh, video game that you've uh, uh, been working with. Um, what's it like to create video game music as opposed to more traditional songs? Nowadays, it's actually fairly similar, I think. There's obviously a lot of games that still want to use a very retro and old-school sound, but generally, I... I get my work and I get hired because of the sound that I'm known for. So maybe the game wants something very uh, heavy, hard rock or metal in the soundtrack. And so luckily for me, it's not, it's not terribly different. But there have been cases where working on something is it's a little stretched compared to what I'm used to. Just because sometimes you're not writing a three-minute song um, with verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Sometimes you have to write something a little more almost free form just because you don't know if this this section needs to be looped over and over um, while someone's playing this game or you have to have maybe more variety in the track because they can program the music to go between different sections and sometimes if there's a lot of action happening the track dynamically needs to switch to a, a high action sound and then back down to a very uh, low sound depending on what is happening in the gameplay so you have to write with some different goals in mind, but that makes it really fun and interesting, I think. And so you are obviously given uh, some pretty clear guidance on what kinds of music you need in certain situations in those games from the game developer, I would guess, right? Yes, they definitely have a lot of say in that. Sometimes it'll be just something written out, like examples, and something they give you a, a general feeling of what they want, but other times, uh, like with this music I did for this Korean game, uh, they have tracks that are mostly worked out, even if they're just MIDI tracks, but mm -hmm. it's all there. And I'm just there to recreate those tracks with real instruments and samples. You, you have a, a live band, uh, the Tiberian Sons, that, that came together at least twice now to play the MAGFest. And you had a video game composer on stage with you this last January. How, how did that come together, and, and what was that like? Well, there's a lot of history there, actually. But the short version is, through my time with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, I met uh, a now really good friend of mine named Tony Dickinson. We were both um, just kind of backup reserve musicians, I guess. So, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily play the shows or anything. We're just kind of there's understudies and if anything were to go horribly wrong then they could call us to fill in a show and uh, they've never had to fill in the show but since then sadly one of the members of uh, TSO passed away the bass mm -hmm. player and Tony Dickinson was there to uh, step up and now he is a touring member of uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra but yeah we became really good friends through that I think it all started the first day we met um, we discovered we were into the same obscure music, um, <laughs> like producing the same kind of music, and um, we found out that we have the exact same birthday in the same year. No kidding. So, so we've, we've been good friends. We've worked on a lot of music together. And like I said, we're interested in this similar, really over-the-top metal orchestral productions that are almost humorous because of how full they sound. Yeah. And... Uh, We've done a lot of uh, video game covers over the years, and uh, Tony always likes to send the tracks, if he can find it, to the original composers of these tracks. So we covered some music from the Command & Conquer video games 
-hmm. that was a really popular real-time strategy series from the 90s. And Tony sent these tracks to Frank Klopacki, the original composer, and we actually heard back from him, and he said that, you know, he loved it, and, you know, it sounds amazing, um, arrangement is perfect, I would maybe do this, this to the mix, but wow, that's <laughs> great. So that was years ago, um, but then about a year ago now, Frank reached out to us because uh, he heard about MAGFest, uh, which is the music and gaming festival, mm -hmm. and it's in National Harbor, Maryland. It's at a convention center that holds maybe 25 or 30,000 people. It's really insane <laughs> that wow. you can be indoors at a place that holds that. So they wanted him to be the featured artist there, and he told us, Frank told us, the Tiberian Sons, that there was no question in his mind if he was playing, he wanted us to be the band backing him up. That, that was an amazing experience. That was by far, I think, the, the best crowd I've ever performed for. They were so into it and so supportive. And afterwards, I think we signed T-shirts and CDs for like two and a half hours. It was just a lot of fun. And it, it was so well received. We're trying to now see how we can follow up with that. We, we definitely know that we'll be doing some more with Frank. Um, but we'll just have to see what happens in the future. We've we've talked a number of times uh, today about the orchestral nature of your 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 music. Are there some other power metal bands that you really enjoy listening to or look for for inspiration? I think there's uh, two main bands that I look to. Uh, one is called Blind Guardian. It's mm -hmm. a German band, and they've been kind of on the scene since the late 80s. They started off more as a speed metal band mm -hmm. and then kind of slowly transitioned and became one of, I think one of, people say, usually two or three main bands that kind of pioneered and created power metal. And their style has kind of changed over the years, but not drastically. So they've, they've stuck pretty true to their sound. And... Yeah, it's it's definitely what I maybe draw the most from because it's metal and speed metal. But in recent years, they've recorded with just a full 70-piece orchestra in the studio just to layer on top of their, their metal songs. And it's just this huge wall of sound that you can't really get from rock instruments alone. So uh, I remember I heard I heard one of their songs maybe... 10 or 15 years ago. I can't remember exactly. Um, but I heard one of their tracks. I went online and I ordered like three of their CDs before that song even finished because I knew just hearing that one track, I knew that if they could create something that great, everything else they have has to be worth listening to. <laughs> and they're definitely uh, my favorite band now. So I have their entire discography and um, hopefully they keep releasing stuff till they're, you know, <laughs> as old as the Rolling Stones. And so um, you obviously have done a, a number of other songs and put a lot of videos up on, on YouTube. One of, the, one of the songs that I've, I think is it's one of my favorites of yours is the fanfare for the metal man. And, and I'd love to know kind of how you decided to arrange that because there's so much Copeland stuff that you included, but it's not all exactly the way he wrote that. Yeah, that... That is a fun mix. And again, it's uh, mashing up uh, several songs in one. I think I first heard Copeland when I was really young 
in those commercials that were advertising beef. I think a lot of people have heard those commercials. The, um, the rodeo, yep. Yeah, yeah. It's what's for dinner. Yep. Um, and that's where I first heard that. And it's interesting because I guess maybe when I was young I didn't think about it, but that song stuck with me for so many years. Um, and I always loved that song. And um, I don't know what triggered that memory, but when it popped into my head, I thought, oh, that would be such a great, a great sound to do to redo and it's a very um it's that uh, really american sound and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh music with that sound outside outside of that exact genre of like what copeland composes um yeah i i had the idea for that song uh rodeo and then uh it just kind of grew from there i knew i wanted an intro so I used Fanfare for the Common Man, and while listening to that, I, my brain got sidetracked again. I was like, this sounds just like Back to the Future, the score by <laughs> Alan Silvestri. So I mixed in some uh, melodies from that, and you almost can't tell because Fanfare for the Common Man and uh, the soundtrack from Back to the Future have some very similar melodies and parts. So it kind of just seamlessly went in there. And I think most people would never even know if they listened to it that I was drawing from two different songs. That's one of my favorite tracks that I've worked on. Well, I think uh, people deserve to hear that. So uh, we're going to give them a chance to do that now. This is uh, Connor Engstrom with Fanfare for the Metal Man.
That was Connor Engstrom with Fanfare for the Metal Man. You're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, WMCN, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. Let's get back to that interview with Connor. Connor, you, you have a ton of irons in the fire. It feels like a lot of musicians are having to do that to, you know, sort of make it as a professional musician. Is, is, how do you do that? How do you make that a viable thing? Um, yeah, it's really tough. I think it is really important to not discount any any possibility. I mentioned working with the band Soto earlier. Um, my first interaction with Jeff Scott Soto uh, was kind of funny. I was at a concert seeing some of the people I knew from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. They had just performed, and I came out to see them and support them. And I mainly have connected with other musicians, and especially guitarists over the years, and it took me years to realize that that was somewhat futile because those are the people competing for your work also. <laughs> right. Um, and I had my CD that I wanted to give to them and show them, be like, hey, this is my first major thing that I've produced and completed all myself. And I handed a copy to these two guitar players, and Jeff Scott Soto was also standing right between them. And luckily I had one extra copy. I felt wow. really awkward, and I said, oh, and uh, this is for you. <laughs> and... Uh, the funny thing is, he listened to it that night on the tour bus, and he emailed me back and said, hey, this is really great. I, I want to use your music for my tour. And then since then, I eventually composed for him and, and did more. And so something that I never thought mattered turned out to be the one you know, possibility that led to some work, actually. So since then, I've learned that I, I kind of have to throw something in every direction. And, and what kind of advice do you give to aspiring musicians? I mean, you do some teaching. What do, you, what do you tell your students? Well, you have to love what you do because you can never ensure that you're going to make it a career. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just really tough to make it as a, as a musician nowadays because um, the tools are there for anybody to create at home on their laptop, and there are there are more than enough people willing to do it for free and just put their music out there for free because they just really, really love it and everybody's trying to prove themselves. So the market is really oversaturated with artists at this point. So you really have to be doing it out of enjoyment. But beyond that, one thing that has made a difference for me is when I was really trying to make it when I was younger, um, my dad would tell me, he said, you know, you don't, you don't always have to stand out be, by being different. Sometimes it's good to stand out by being better. So I realized I didn't have to completely reinvent the wheel when I composed or wrote, but I put a lot more work into it because I wanted it to be, I wanted it to sound better than, than other artists doing the same thing as I was doing. And I, I wanted that to be the way I could stand out. You've, you've started a Patreon site as well. How does that process work and, and what's the response been so far? Yeah, that's just another avenue um, musicians nowadays can use. I do a lot of collaborations with other, with other artists, but recently I've been trying to grow my own music business, I guess, um, because I want to be self-sufficient and it, I like to work on the, the songs that I want to work on. And so Patreon is uh, just a part of that. I only started doing that a few months ago but the response has been great. It just creates a really, a really great artist and fan relationship, I think, um, because they can be a little more involved in that process. And I try to do some extra things for them, like create special videos that are just for them, that maybe show some behind the scenes 
of how I create my videos and songs. Mm. And uh, yeah, there's just a, a, a really interesting dynamic there. Do you, uh, do you have plans for more new music in the near future? Yeah, I, I always have plans. Uh, it's just a question <laughs> of how soon I can get to everything. I'm currently editing another music video right now. A few weeks ago, I was just insanely busy shooting multiple videos. And normally I do one project start to finish, but in this one case, it just worked out to shoot everything with who was available. I was shooting multiple videos, and they were all, they were all shot before anything was edited. So I'm, I'm editing wow. another one of those, and hopefully I can release that in maybe a week or two. Um, just depends on when I can get to it, uh, you know, among all my other projects. <laughs> can, can we give people a, a tease of what, that, what that's going to be? This next track is going to be 80s rock, and it's going to be just completely injected with everything 80s. It's very cheesy. <laughs> um, but it's everything that people really love about that uh, classic music. Uh, what about live performances? Do you have any, any gigs coming up uh, in, the, in the near future? Nothing planned right now. I've kind of scaled back on that a little bit outside of potential projects with uh, the Tiberian Sons. Yeah, hopefully I can keep growing my own music business. And uh, I would love to branch out and play some of that live. But right now, it's since I'm not collaborating with other artists, it's kind of like starting over from the ground up and just developing and getting my own name out there. Where, where can people learn more about you and your music? You can find my stuff on YouTube if you search for Connor Engstrom Music or you can go to my website at connorengstrom.com. Is all of your music available there on your website? Links to it. <laughs> Great. Is your Patreon site the best way to, if someone wants to, to purchase your music, is that the best place to do it or do you have uh, stuff on iTunes or any of the other digital services? My music is available on pretty much every big distribution platform like iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, uh, Spotify. But definitely Patreon is the way to go because you can get everything for $1. And if you don't want to subscribe in the future, that's fine. So yeah, it's definitely the most value. Well, Connor, this has just been a, a real treat to chat with you. Thanks for taking the time to be on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jason. You've been listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, WMCN, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks again to Connor, and we're going to close out the show with his version of Let It Go.
distance Makes everything seem small And the fears that once control me Can't get to me at all It's time to see what I can do Time to test the limits and break through No right, no wrong, no rules for me Let it go!